Amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning, church. Thank you, worship team, and thank you for being with us this morning. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it, on this nice morning? Um, my name is Tyler. I'm the youth and families pastor uh, here at Newtown Road, and it is a joy to see you and your smiling faces. Uh, it's a joy to have those who are uh, tuning in online joining us as well. And so if you are on YouTube or Facebook, thank you. Uh, and welcome to you this morning. We're glad that you decided to join us. Thank you for those who are here today for, for coming out and um, uh, being with us this morning. We've got a few quick announcements, but first is this. If you've never filled out a communication card for our church, um, we would appreciate you doing that so that we know that you're, that you're here, your family's here. Whether you're online, you can click the link, or whether you're here in person, you can uh, maybe go to the Church Center app and Fill out that communication card for us. That gives us information we need, and it gives you then the information that you need of things happening around our ministry. And so I uh, just want to encourage you to do that. And then I want to go over a few quick things. Last night, or yesterday afternoon, we had an event here and around the Capital Region. Maybe, maybe you saw crazy families dressed up running around the mall or the local parks. And if you did, it was, it was no big thing. Uh, but we had our Christmas family fun hunt. Did you love it? Did you love it? I loved watching it uh, and putting it together and, and being a part of that team. It looked like our families had a blast. We had well over 100 people participating, um, going around, I think, 29 different teams or something like that, uh, uh, make signs, and they went out searching uh, for clues and filling out crossword puzzles and singing in the middle of the mall and um, doing all kinds of crazy things uh, in hopes of taking home the coveted golden partridge. You know? Yes. Uh, that, that thing's been around our church a time or two. And last night, a family by the name of the Gardeners Team Hallelujah Chorus, as they were called, uh, took home the golden partridge. So congratulations to them. Uh, they have already opened a golden partridge Instagram, so you can follow it. <laughs> and it's many adventures this coming year uh, before it gets passed off to a new family. So thank you for all who helped and volunteered and were a part of that night. We hope that you, your family enjoyed it. Um, and we, we know that we really did. Um, a couple things coming up this week is Wednesday, our student ministry, grades 6 to 12, is having their annual Christmas party. And so um, we will do that this Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. And so we invite any students uh, in grades 6 to 12 to come and join us. If you have friends that want to come, that's a great time to bring them. Um, you, you don't have to bring anything. You can wear an ugly sweater if you want. Uh, we're going to play some games and have a, have a lot of fun on Wednesday night. And then on Sunday uh, is our kids' PJ Christmas party during the second service over in the other building. And so uh, I just want to re remind you of that, kids. It's going to be a fun time over there. And so uh, if you didn't know about that, that's the PJ Christmas party coming up next week. I know they're putting a lot of work and effort into that. It's going to be a fun time. And then I want to remind families, if you grabbed a, a little Christmas tree last week to purchase a gift for a kid at Manor Sites, 
Um, we, we need those gifts in by Wednesday, if possible. And so um, either bring them back in today or you can bring them into the office by Wednesday of this week so that we can make sure and get those delivered to those kids. Thank you, church, for taking all of those kids last week. Um, and uh, we appreciate your willingness to serve our, our local communities and what a, what a testimony that is. Uh, and then lastly, our Christmas Eve service. I want to remind you about that on Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. But we need you to register. So if you can register your family for that on our Church Center app, very easy to go to registrations or events and click on that and register your family so that we can make sure everybody has a seat for that day. That would be much appreciated. As always, thank you for your continued faithfulness in your tithes and your offerings. Um, if you're prepared to give this morning, and uh, um, you can do that online each week. That, that's wonderful. But if you come prepared to give, there's a box uh, right next to the door in the back on your way out. You can do that. We want to say thank you, church, for your continued faithfulness and worshiping, worshiping the Lord through your tithes and your offerings. As we continue worship this morning, I'm going to invite Pastor Matt to come and, uh, and preach God's word. Thank you, Tyler. And thank you to all those of you who helped us with the fun hunt yesterday. I am, every week it seems like I'm just prouder and prouder of our staff and the way that they, uh, them and the volunteers just turn on a dime with the middle of these COVID restrictions and provide great alternatives. You know, the Christmas Family Fun Night was one of our favorite events of the year. We'd fill this place with hundreds of people and have a great time with COVID. We weren't able to do that, but these guys worked really hard to provide a great alternative and um, my legs are still sore from yesterday, running all over the Capitol District, literally running. At one point, my children are a quarter mile ahead of me, and they turn to look behind me and say, come on, Mom and Dad, you're going to lose this for us. <laughs> Little jerks. So, um, that coveted golden partridge has eluded me for four years now, and one of these days, I'm going to win it and take it home, but today, yesterday was not that day. It's so good to be here with you guys on this glorious December morning. This, by the way, the weather today was a sign that God loves me um, because it was warm and delightful. Don't worry, all you psychopaths who hate the sun and like the snow, Wednesday is coming for you, you crazy people, and uh, you'll be able to celebrate then the, the annual Christmas tradition of firing up your snowblower, so have fun with that. It is so good to be gathered in God's house today. We are right here in the middle of our Advent series, during which time each week we've gathered, we've paused, we've We've sang Christmas carols through our clothed, veiled faces, and we have uh, enjoyed the opportunity to anchor our hearts together and to ponder and reflect on the true meaning of this Christmas season, to learn from the scriptures. And our hope is that it stirs up our affections for Jesus. Not, not just that it stirs up sentiment or, or traditional value or, or even stories of a bygone era. No, our, our hope and our desire is that as we gather together that our hearts would grow in affection for the King of Kings who was born in Bethlehem. Each week we have been lighting Advent candles. We're going to continue to do that this morning. So we said that the, um, the first candle we lit, the first Sunday, we called the prophet's candle. And the reason we called it the prophet's candle, we said, was because uh, that the, the plan of redemption that God had instituted before the foundations of the world was not some, some cosmic plan B. It wasn't this like big oops. There wasn't an emergency meeting of the Trinity where they all said, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Mankind has fallen into sin. Our whole plan is scrapped. Somebody come up with a better option. 
No, it was before the foundations of the world that it, it pleased God to reconcile all things to himself through the blood of the cross. And so this was his plan from the beginning, and rather than leave us in the darkness, fumbling around, he told us what was coming. He, he shared with us in advance, through the prophets, the message of redemption and salvation in the Son. And so the prophets spoke into the darkness came the light of the revelation of God, and the people of God were prepared. They knew that their king was coming. So we talked about the, the first week, we talked about the prophet's candle, and it was supposed to encourage us that God is faithful and trustworthy. The second week, we, um, we lit the Bethlehem candle. And the reason we called it the Bethlehem candle was we said that it helped to remind us of the nature of Christ's coming. That the King of Kings, the divine-born Son of God, rather than coming with a ticker tape parade and a press conference and all the, the media hype that they would get today, came and was born in a forgotten little town on the backside of nowhere, in a stable because there was no room for him at the end. And the, the condescension of, of heaven coming to earth was veiled in humanity and humility. And we, we talked about how the nature of Christ was to be a servant, that Jesus came to serve. Paul actually tells us to have this mind in us that's also in Christ. And he talks about the humility of Christ, preferring one another, sacrificing his own life to meet the needs of his loved one. Today, we light the shepherd's candle. The reason we call today's candle the shepherd's candle is because it serves to remind us the kind of people to whom God made this information known. As we just heard this morning, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night in the hillsides around Bethlehem. Now, keep in mind that shepherding in that day was not a, a vocation that was reserved for the noble and the influential and the aristocracy. No, it was, it was poor people, it was smelly people, it was the lower class of society. They, they were the ones who did the shepherding work. The outcasts. Shepherds often were, were dishonest. They, were, um, they didn't have the greatest character. Surely if God was coming to make known the fulfillment of prophecy, and if he was coming to reveal his son, the savior of the world, surely he would come to the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, right? He would come to the kings and the princes and the people of authority, wouldn't he? No. He came to the outcasts. He came to the, the cast aside and forgotten. And today we're reminded that in the humility of the lowliness of their station, the power and glory of God visited them. And we're reminded that at just the right time, God revealed himself to us. Not because we were rich and powerful and influential, but because in the humility of our station, in the lowliness of our station, we needed him. God didn't reveal himself to you because you were so moral, he had to have you on his team. He revealed himself to you because in his wisdom he saw you broken and helpless and in need of a savior. So he came to you and revealed himself to you in his infinite mercy and grace. Out of the perfection of steadfast love, he meets our need for a savior in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we continue focusing our series on Advent on the theme of joy. As we do so today, we're going to make a few observations from the part of the Christmas story. I want to just read a portion of it again. We're going to focus in on chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14 this morning. 
In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I feel like Linus this morning. And and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Let's pray. Our Father, we come today with, with hopeful hearts and expectant hearts. We know that you do what only you do when we gather and open your word and sing together and obey you in that way. So we come with hearts looking to hear your voice to sense this movement of your spirit among us. Lord, we are people who are in need of joy. These last months have been damaging to our reserves of joy. Lord, uh, the enemy seeks to distract and discourage us. Seems the whole world we know is upside down. Remind us again today that our joy is not found in our circumstances, but is found in our position in you. And because you are steadfast and immovable, our joy can be steadfast and immovable as well. Train us, God, to rejoice in trials. Knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And like we heard about a couple weeks ago, our hope doesn't disappoint us. Lord, I pray for those in our congregation who are sick and need health today. I pray that you give peace of mind and uh, healing of body. Pray for those who are grieving that you'd comfort. Pray for those, God, who are struggling with discouragement, depression, anxiety in this difficult season. I pray that you would remind them of your trustworthiness and your promises. I pray for those of us, God, who need a a fresh touch today. The apathy and distractions of this world have just proven too much recently. I pray that you would break through the darkness and the hardness of our hearts with the beautiful light of the gospel. And remind us again who you are and, God, who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. What an amazing sight these shepherds must have beheld. As they're there on the job in the middle of the night, most likely they showed up in the evening for what they thought would be a normal shift. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure if you had talked to them before they left their house, I'm sure Mrs. Shepherd asked Mr. Shepherd, what exactly do you think it's going to look like today? I don't know, same old, same old. We'll probably walk the sheep out to the field, lay down, and come back. I mean, I don't, I don't think they thought anything new and out of the ordinary was going to happen, but the Lord did. I wonder about you. Have you ever had one of those days where you showed up for work or showed up for school or, well, I don't know, some of you don't do that. So you got up to go play video games for 12 hours and, and before, you got, before the day unfolded, all of a sudden, it didn't look anything like you thought it was going to. I had one of those experiences one time. I'm going to tell you about it right now. Many years ago, I don't know how many, but it was a while back, I decided against my better judgment that I would like to try my hand at raising chickens. This today is a story about the power of friendships. Choose them wisely, because you'll find yourself doing things that make absolutely no sense to you if you hang out with people like Pastor Duke and Pastor Scott. The old adage is true, bad company corrupts good character, okay? So, 
Pastor Duke, Pastor Scott, and I, who are two of the burliest, gnarliest dudes that I know, decided, and me, right, um, decided that we would go together and raise a little flock or a herd, a bro- what do we call that, a gaggle, a flock, a, a school of chicken. We, we raised a school of chicken together, um, and we, we decided we would go in together and purchase together. We would take turns. And we would take turns feeding and watering these precious little creatures. We, we meticulously manicured their abnormally large talons and made sure that they were filed smooth. We, we cuddled them in the middle of the night when they were frightened. At this point, it's important to know that parts of this story have been dramatized for pastoral effect. And then one day, it was determined that the growing season was over and it was now time that we would need to complete the process and harvest the meat from our little school of chicken. But I have to tell you that I wasn't fully briefed on the plans for the day, as was sometimes the case with those two knuckleheads. I showed up for work, probably in a pair of khakis and a sweater vest, right? And I was informed by 9 a.m. that today was the day of reckoning, right? That judgment day had come. And so I had to run home. I thought I was going to spend time in a coffee shop, drinking a dark brew and pondering the joys of justification through faith. But instead, I went home and changed my clothes into like the nastiest, dirtiest stuff I got, grabbed a hatchet and came back to church. Now, when you're wearing your nasty clothes with a hatchet and a cooler, heading to your pastor's house, like there is something wrong with this process, right? So there we were. (laughs) There, I don't know how I get myself into these situations. There we were. We found ourselves that day in Pastor Duke's driveway. Feathers and congealed fluids everywhere. It, you have not lived, my friends, until you've had your hands inside the business end of a chicken. My gloved hands. My gloved hands. Because I'm not that gnarly. Collecting the meat. And at one point I remember looking at all the carnage. It was like a an avian crime scene. I looked at all this carnage and I thought, this is not how I thought my day was going to go. I envisioned something much more peaceful. Nor was it the day that my sweet, dear, precious wife envisioned because I had to take it all home and finish the processing there. And she promised me from that day forward that we in Team Eachus would no longer do that, but we would get our chickens the way Jesus did at the price chopper. That part is partially fabricated as well. Here's the point. That day got out of hand real quick and became something that I was not prepared for. And I believe in the same way these shepherds were alarmed and frightened and, and, and scared out of their gourds. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone about them and they were sore afraid. They, so they, they have this encounter with God's glory and they're terrified. This is not how they thought their day was coming, this manifestation of God's presence. And in the midst of that encounter, this angelic visitor appears. He is, and at first he strikes fear into the hearts of them. He says, listen, don't be afraid, which is easy for him to say, because he's not facing himself and all the glory of the, the heavenly host. He's like, I'm not here to incite fear. I'm here to bring you a good message. And this message is good news of great joy. And what was the message? The message was that the the baby had been born. 
For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This morning I'd like, with what, what time we have remaining, to ponder together this message of great joy that the angel brought to the shepherds. And just some, some, some topical thoughts on why this message was so good. And why this message of, of the baby born in Bethlehem, what is it about that child that brings joy to the hearts of the hearers and the people of God? And the first thing that we see this morning, I believe, is that this is the joy of a promise kept. The joy of a promise kept, or if you'd like, a, a prophecy fulfilled. The angel brings this unbelievable message. Maybe you don't remember, but, but God had been silent now for 400 years. Four centuries since God had spoken to his people through a prophet. 400 years of silence. 400 years of longing and waiting. 400 years of, of Jewish parents reminding their children that God is indeed faithful, and although they're not seeing his faithfulness today, they can trust him because one day he will be. 400 years of God's faithful people living and dying without ever seeing the fruit of their faith revealed. 400 years of stoking the fires to keep hope and faith alive and clinging to the testimony of God's goodness. And here, all of a sudden, with a dynamic midnight encounter in the fields outside this little town of Bethlehem, this group of shepherds are the first to hear about this earth-shattering moment. The first to hear the message, this good news of great joy. God is fulfilling his promise. Well, what, what promise is he fulfilling? Well, gosh, there's, there's like hundreds of them. We, we talked about some last week. Remember Matthew 2.16, the wise men come from the east and they say, look, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod says, well, that's technically me. Who are you looking for? And like, no, no, not you. There's a new one born. And he said, wait, hold on a second. If there's a new king of the Jews, where is he? So he gathered the chief priests and the scribes. He gathered the people of God. He said, tell me, where would I find this king of the Jews? And they say, it's written in the Bible. You'd find him in Bethlehem. Because that's where the prophet told us to look. Micah 5, 2 through 5. Or, or Matthew 1, 23, he's telling us the story of Jesus. And he talks about how the virgin will conceive and give birth to the son. Which is a direct fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. This will be a sign to you. That the virgin will conceive and give birth to the son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Matthew seizes that moment to remind us that in Jesus, God is fulfilling promises. He's drawing a connection between the promises of God through the prophets and their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the joy of Advent is the joy of a trustworthy and a faithful God, one who keeps his promises. Even when we find ourselves waiting and losing patience, because we aren't eternal. We don't have that kind of perspective. We don't like to wait six minutes at a drive-thru. You ever see those people? Don't, don't be that person. Some of you are shaking your heads because you are that person or you're married to that person. By the way, I think there's two kinds of people in life. Those people who can sit in a drive-thru and those people who can't. And they inevitably marry each other every time. Every stinking time. Right? I'm... I'm not going to tell you which one I am. Anyway, I'll let you figure that yourself. Uh, where am I? Oh, we're losing patience. We lose patience. We get, we get impatient because we don't have the eternal perspective. 
And when it doesn't go our way or we find ourselves praying and longing and not seeing the fulfillment, we begin to wonder if God is trustworthy. Can he, is he really strong enough to handle all of my hopes and my dreams? Is he really strong enough to answer all these prayers that I've prayed for 20 years? Is he, is he really strong enough to bring salvation to my spouse even though I've been praying for 30 years? Is he really strong enough to bring my prodigal daughter home? Is he really strong enough to give me the desires of my heart and provide a spouse, something I've prayed for for 20, 30 years? Is God really trustworthy with all of my hopes and my desires? Because I'm not seeing it unfold the way that I envision. And it's a good reminder, Advent season is a good reminder to us that you and I might be waiting three years, four months, six days, I don't know how long you're waiting. These guys are waiting 400 years for God to speak, and he did, just the way he said. We need to be reminded, especially when we're losing patience, of this perspective and hope. When we feel the groaning of creation, when we groan inwardly ourselves for healing and restoration, victory over temptation and sin, when we feel our own groaning, we need to be reminded that God will indeed allow us to see it all made new in his timing. Because sometimes we don't see it happening and we wonder if God is just slack in keeping his promises. And First Peter reminds us he is not slack in keeping his promises. He's not careless or reckless in the way he keeps his promises. He's patient out of his great long-suffering. We look at a broken world and we crave to see a new creation. But God knows, God knows the day of that reckoning. And God is patient and long-suffering so that as many as will receive him can come to him. He's not slack in keeping his promises, but he's patient so that all may come to him. Let us not lose that perspective. Advent is a reminder to us on the hillside outside of Bethlehem, these shepherds caught up in a mixture of terror and glory that God is faithful to keep his promises. So Advent is for us the, the joy of a promise kept. It's also the joy of sin forgiven. You, you remember the message was, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior has come. Not just a child, not just the Christ, but a Savior. The baby born at Christmas time is the very Passover lamb who was slain and laid down his life to cover over the sins of the world. You'll remember Mary was told that she would name this baby Jesus because he would save his people from, her, from their sins. There was no mistaking the purpose and mission of his coming. He had come to pay the price for our sin and to make us right with God. So the joy of Advent is the joy of, of sin forgiven. It's the joy of grace received. It's the joy of debt being paid. My sentence overturned. My, my penalty lifted. It's the joy of receiving something that I didn't deserve and I didn't earn and didn't work for. Now this is this, this flies in the face of our American sensibilities. I think in part mis, in a misplaced way. We tend to celebrate the self-made man, and we tend to really revel in our own abilities to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We should be reminded of Paul's encouragement to us that you don't have anything that you didn't receive. You came, you came into this world holding absolutely nothing. You're going out the same way. Everything you have has been a gift from a heavenly father who loves you and has given good gifts to you. But 
But have you ever received something you really didn't earn? I did. I've received a number of things I didn't earn. When we moved into our house in Clifton Park, I was not well prepared for the first winter. I'm still in denial that I live in a place where it snows all the time. It's been 15 years. Eventually I'll wake up, but not right now. And one of the things that I, I didn't realize was, I didn't realize the, the enormous square footage of my driveway, which is like the size of two of my houses. And then I didn't realize how heavy snow would be when I had to carry it from one side of the driveway to the other because of the retaining walls all around. I couldn't throw it that far. I, I needed a snowblower is what I really needed. Actually, I needed a plow guy. That's what I needed. But a snowblower would work too. So I'm out, I'm out there like shoving. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is a mess. I don't really have the money to go buy a snowblower. I'm, I'm, I'm dreading the coming year. And then one day, I walked out into my driveway. And I found, and some of you are smiling because you were part of this mess. And I found this beautiful snowblower sitting in my driveway. Right? And it had a bow on it. And there was a little tag. <laughs> it said, in the fullness of time, God gave forth a snowblower. And I want you to know that I did nothing to earn that. I didn't go and buy it. It wasn't, as a, it wasn't a, a compensation for a job well done. It was out of the goodness of somebody's heart. And I have gotten so much use out of that snowblower. Every time I fire it up, I remember that in the fullness of time, God sent forth the snowblower for me. The joy of Advent is the joy of a gift given, a gift received one that we did not earn or work for. Each year when we celebrate Advent, we are reminded of the gracious gift of salvation that is offered us and secured for us in Christ. Because the baby that we celebrate, a meek and mild uh, nature in Bethlehem, is the same baby who grew to be beaten and scarred and bruised for our sins. Whose broken body and shed blood were the sacrifice required by a faithful God to cover over the stain of sin. You see, the arrival of Christ in the first advent is a joyful thing for us because we are reminded that his life and his death provided for us the freedom from sin that we were aching and longing for. As we just sang about, long lay the world in sin and error pining. For hundreds, thousands of years, groaning because the weight of sin was too much for us to break the joy of sin forgiven. The joy of Advent is also the joy of a new kingdom, both a current and a future kingdom. And you'll remember, you should remember, that the prophets under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit looked forward down the line and they saw a new kingdom coming. And God had shown them what this would look like. You see, after God's wrath and judgment were felt on the people of God, there would be a new king that would grow up and assume leadership. And those famous Isaiah passages that we look to every single Christmas season. Isaiah 11, 1 through 6, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, we're told there in those places that, in, that the people who walked in darkness would see a great light. And out of the darkness, a light would shine. We're, we're told that out of the stump of Jesse, when the whole forest had been brought down by God's wrath and God's righteous judgment, when it looked like all hope was lost for the covenant people of God, out of the stump, new life would grow. A shoot would come off. And the Spirit would rest upon him. And we're told in these passages of a righteous king, 
a just king who doesn't make judgments and, and execute judgments based only by what his eyes see or what his ears hear, but no, he, he makes his judgments on, in the power and the enabling of the Holy Spirit of God. He's trustworthy. And the poor and the vulnerable and the oppressed find him to be a faithful king, a good shepherd in their lives. He doesn't just care for the rich and the powerful. He cares for those who are poor and powerless. And this king would be merciful and he would bring an era of unprecedented peace. Where the prophets say that your implements of war would actually be refashioned. You would pound them into plowshares and pruning hooks. You would take instruments of war and repurpose them for agriculture because you just won't need them anymore because of this era of unprecedented peace. And his reign would be eternal. And all the pain and the brokenness of this world would be overcome in this new king's reign. You see, the, the arrival of the baby in Bethlehem, this king born to peasant parents in the mess of a stable, in his appearing, he was here to inaugurate this new kingdom. Which is why his disciples say things like, is it at this time that you're going to establish the kingdom? All the hope of the prophets rests on the shoulders of this baby, and they all knew exactly what they were talking about. They didn't foresee the gap between Jesus' first advent and his second. But make no mistake, his arrival was to inaugurate and begin this new kingdom. And it hasn't fully been realized yet. We who are Jesus' disciples, we are part of this new kingdom. A kingdom that isn't of this world. A kingdom that doesn't work according to the principles and the values of this world. And we find ourselves today members of a new kingdom eagerly awaiting the return of our king. At which time he will establish his eternal kingdom on a new earth and he'll rule and reign forever. And we'll watch as this kingdom, this new kingdom comes and it grows in power and influence until it triumphs over all the other kingdoms of the world, just like the prophet Daniel told us. You remember that story? Remember the big statue that King Nebuchadnezzar saw and the tiny stone that was cut not with human hands that struck the statue in the feet and all the statues, the whole statue came down and it grew to be a mountain that took over the whole earth? That's the kingdom of God, which was given according to the prophet Daniel to one who came appearing as the son of man, which was Jesus' favorite designation of himself. In Christ comes this new kingdom. This new kingdom will grow and one day overtake all the kingdoms of the earth and will rule and reign forever with him. You see, the joy of Advent is the joy that the king has come. And with his arrival, he's brought the kingdom, the place where his rule and reign are supreme. And just like the prophets told us, his kingdom will overtake all the kingdoms of the world. All right, so what? What does all that mean for us? Where are the presents? How does that, how does that tie into my eggnog? Like, I want to know. How, where, do we, where do we go with all this today? First, the joy that we experience at Christmas time, the joy of Advent, is the joy and confidence of knowing that God is faithful, that he's going to keep his promises. That the coming of Jesus was a statement concerning that fact. Even after 400 years of silence, that means for you and I that the hope that we place in God, the faith that we exercise in him, as we talked about two weeks ago, will not disappoint us. 
it will not put us to shame. Even when we place confidence in him and then we wait a lifetime to see its fulfillment, it won't put us to shame. And even if we, like those heroes of old, die in faith, never seeing the fulfillment in this life, it still won't put us to shame in the dawning of that new era when all the promises of God are fulfilled, when we know as he knows, when we see as he sees. God is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. That gives us joy. The second thing, the joy we experience Advent is the arrival of a savior, a substitute, a divine one who was born, whose very life was to be laid down in order that we might be declared righteous before a holy God in order that we would be forgiven of every one of our sins, every one of our transgressions, every way that our minds, our hearts, our attitudes, and our actions didn't line up with this perfect standard. And that pretty much puts a stain on all of us. To say somebody's a sinner is not to say you're better than them or they're worse than you. To say somebody's a sinner is to say that they're not God. That should be easy for us to deal with. And if it's not, then you've got deeper issues, right? To say somebody's a sinner is to say that we, in our minds, in our hearts, in our affections, in our actions, we are not God. We're not perfectly righteous. We failed to live up to that standard, and we need somebody to clean up the mess that we made. Somebody to fix the gap between our sinfulness and God's perfect righteousness. We need the Son to come, to step in between us, to bring peace and reconciliation through the death of on the cross. The joy of Advent is the joy of a Savior arriving. And the joy of Advent is also, thirdly, the joy of the arrival and, uh, of the promised new kingdom. The eternal kingdom marked not by the brokenness and the wickedness of the kingdoms of this world, but instead a new kingdom that's marked by peace and righteousness and the justice of God working through his only Son, who presides as king over this new kingdom. And the arrival of Christ was the precise moment that the new kingdom's dawn first broke through the dark night of this kingdom here. You see, these realities, the faithfulness of, of, a, of, of God who keeps his promises, the provision of a savior, the establishment of a new kingdom, these promises, these realities move in the hearts of his people and produce in us a gladness far greater than this world has to offer us. A deep an abiding sense of joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the joy of Christmas. That is the joy of, of a stronger, more enduring, infinitely more powerful than mere tradition and sentiment. That is the joy we celebrate this season. That Christ has come and God keeps his promises that the Savior is here and the new kingdom has dawned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today in your word. Thank you for the message that you bring us. Thank you for this good news of great joy for all people. Thank you that at just the right time you found us with this message. Lord, I pray that you'd open hearts and minds even today. That if we have not yet received this message of goodness and great joy, that our hearts would be humbled before you. That we would recognize our sin and our need for a Savior. And in the quietness of our seats or wherever we're watching, that we would yield ourselves to you. Receive your free gift of grace. And be born again into this new kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the craziness of this season, in a, in a season with political turmoil, racial tension, COVID crisis shutdown, and all that brings, 
Lord, I pray that you would allow us the joy of Advent, that our hearts and our minds would be so captured with the faithfulness of God to provide a Savior and build a new kingdom, that the circumstances of this world couldn't touch us this season. And I pray that the overwhelming joy that we have would be a testimony to our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, our coworkers, and classmates that Jesus is alive and he's changed our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this point, we have to say goodbye to our live streamers. Thank you for joining in today. As always, 9 and 11 every Sunday, you can meet us here or you can watch where you're watching today on YouTube, Facebook Live, wherever you're finding us. Thank you for being with us today. Those of you who are in the room on campus, go ahead and stand up and we'll close with some more songs of worship today.